Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. Let us pray as we worship God. 
God of the universe, God of the mustard seed, help us in this moment to be present. Help us to be still. Help us to listen to you and to our neighbors near and far. Comfort our broken souls, O God, and transform us to be the seeds of your forest, full of grace and truth. Amen. I invite you now to stand and sing as we sing our first song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Change. 
I love that song because it's a reminder that although God asks for us to have faith, that God is faithful in us, even when we mess up, which we do all the time. So now we come to our part in the service, the prayer of admission, where we're honest with God, we're honest with one another of the ways that we fail. So let's be honest now and pray together the prayer of admission as found in your program. Let us pray. God, forgive us, for we have done so much wrong. In your name, we have done wrong. In your name, we have caused pain. Forgive us, God. Help us to be a people of healing rather than a people of harm. Help us to build up your community and free us from our desire to hate. each week that when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ hung on the cross that we put him on, he looked out at this crowd of people and said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Friends, we still don't know what we are doing entirely, and God still forgives us and grants us an opportunity to try again, to try and love again. So let us do that. Alleluia. Amen. I now invite the family of Vail Winsky up to receive the sacrament of baptism. And as they're doing that, Vale's older brother, Creek, was the first child I was able to baptize in this church many years ago. And like Creek has grown, so has this church grown. And what a gift it is for parents coming together to allow their child to be claimed as God's own. So this morning, Laura and Charlie Winsky present their daughter, Vail Augustus Winsky, to receive the sacrament of baptism. Beloved child of God, for you, Christ Jesus came into the world. For you, he lived and showed God's love. For you, he suffered the darkness of the cross 
and cried at last, it is finished. For you, he rose again to new life. For you, he reigns at God's right hand now and forevermore. All this Christ Jesus did for you long before you knew anything of it. And so through these waters, may the words of scripture come to be fulfilled in your own life. May you love because you have been loved first. It's jaw dropping, I know, look at you. (laughs) So here are some questions. Laura and Charlie, having heard these words, I ask you the following questions. Do you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Relying on God's grace, do you promise to live the Christian faith, to embody hearts of service and love, and to teach that faith to your child? And now there's a reason we do baptisms in front of the congregation, because you all are a part of this. So now I have a question for you all. Do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide, support, and nurture Veil through words and actions with love and prayer where you encourage her to know and follow Christ and empower her to be a faithful member of the church? If so, say we do. Awesome. Let us pray. Holy God, we give great thanks for your son, Christ Jesus, who was washed over this world with your love. In the same way, by the power of your Holy Spirit, may this water now wash over veil so that in her own life, she too may share love with others. In your holy name, we ask this, amen. Wolf, do you want to put your hand in the water real quick, bud? No. It's just normal water. Got it from the tap. Not the pond this time. But God does extraordinary things with ordinary things, just like this and just like God does with all of us in Vail today. What is the Christian name of your child? Vail Augustus Winsky. Oh my gosh, Vail Augustus Winsky. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. God, may Vail know your love and know that you are with her till the very end, always and forever. Amen. I need to get better at holding babies. I need to. And now. Dear Father, take this little one into your loving arms. Cover and protect her. Guide her from all harm. Fill her days with love and joy. Nurture all that she is. Help her as she learns to grow, to feel loved and set apart. Speak to her of truth and light so that her soul can sing a cry of praise, a song of joy, and a love of all peaceful things. Take her little hands, dear God, and bless her as they pray. Let her beautiful love story begin on her baptism day. Friends, this is the greatest news. Veil has been received into the one holy Catholic church through baptism. God has made her a member of the household of God to share with us in the priesthood of all believers. I encourage you to welcome the newly baptized as our newest sister in Christ. Alleluia. And all the church said amen. Amen. I got to say, I love working at a rowdy church. It's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. Um, After worship today for our youth and anyone who wants to just act like a kid, we've got a water slide out back and we've got a volleyball net and we'll be playing some games talking about what it means to be church. And I think one of the benefits of church is getting to play and have fun and grow together. So I invite you 
especially the youth and tiny theologians and their families, to hang out and hang out with me, Abigail, and our awesome advisors who are pumped to play with you all. Another announcement, in a couple weeks, we're going to be doing a church-wide service project, Rise Against Hunger, uh, where we will be packaging meals and sending them all around the world to these last-mile communities who are in need of nourishment. So we still have our fundraising um, open, so if you want to donate money, you can drop a check or donate online. The more money we raise, the more meals we get a pack. Um, and if you can't donate money, donate your time and show up on the 2nd of October. I think it's from 1 to 3. Um, we'll be right here having fun packaging meals. Today we're starting a new sermon series about trees, about the wisdom of trees and the ways that um, the image of trees is in the Bible. Um, And we start with the mustard seed. Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 32. Hear now God's word for us today. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which someone took and planted in the ground. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. This is the word of God to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Do you know when the best time to plant a tree is? 20 years ago. (laughs) Douglas Tallamy knows that. He's an author and he loves trees, specifically the oak tree. He wrote a book called The Nature of Oaks, The Rich Ecology of Our Most Essential Native Trees. His research shows not just the beauty, but the vibrancy that planting just one oak tree can do for a community. How oaks have the highest number of species on average living in their branches. The interdependent relationships oaks have between squirrels and blue jays and caterpillars and the carbon that oaks sequester. The way their roots are perfectly designed to filter and dilute water runoff the way their leaves break down and provide fertilizer for native plants. Doesn't that sound like God's kingdom? I mean, the kingdom of heaven is like the massive oak standing before me every morning when I walk out my door. The tree's been mutilated a bit by dominion energy and preservation of their power lines, but it still reigns supreme over my yard. In it, I hear the birds, I see the squirrels, I feel the acorns on my feet, and occasionally I get frustrated by the amount of leaves this time of year, but still, the tree is glorious. It's a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven in the shade it creates on a scorching summer day, in the playfulness of a child who climbs its branches, in the comforting sounds of a barred owl at night and in the wrens in the morning the beauty it brings to my yard. That's where I see the kingdom of heaven. I mean, a tree feels like an appropriate image, right? It's strong, substantial, resilient. They're ever-reaching. They provide. They stand tall. They matter. But Jesus, before a crowd of confused yet faithful followers, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a seed, 
tiny seed, no larger than a peppercorn. It's kind of strange. My granddad might have said the kingdom of heaven is like a bright leaf hot dog. Hot off the flat top grill, covered with mustard, slaw, onion, and chili that's been simmering all night. It's sold for 45 cents to the young girl sitting at the drugstore lunch counter in Oxford, North Carolina. That chrome swivel chair was the only spot on all of Main Street where she could sit. It was 1960, and she was black. The toxic sin of racism and segregation had infiltrated the laws of this town, the hearts of its people, and the rules of its businesses. Yet this young pharmacist, Charlie Jones, had the simple mantra that people are people, everyone needs their prescriptions, and everyone deserves the right to sit and order with dignity. So that's what he did. Many years later, at his funeral, I heard this story firsthand from the once young girl who still remembers old Charlie and his kindness. The kingdom of heaven is like a hot dog. It's strange to think of God's kingdom, God's alternate reality on earth, this tremendous dream for all of creation can start so small. So small, so fragile that it could be compared to a mustard seed. And imagine speaking with someone, a child, maybe, who had no comprehension of how plants grew. And you place this child deep in a forest, surrounded by tall oak trees, and you handed them an acorn. And you ask them, what connection do these two things have? How do we get from one to the other? Our minds might struggle to make the leap imagining how something so small, so insignificant could grow into a tree that could change the world. But maybe that's Jesus' point. For all the teachers in the room, of which I know there are plenty, the kingdom of heaven is like a hug, a warm hug. A hug that requires the giver to get down on one knee to really get that physical touch despite a significance difference of height. The hug is given by the exhausted teacher and she gives it to the student who struggles. Struggles to get out of bed in the morning without a working alarm clock. Struggles to find any food in the fridge that isn't expired. Struggles to smell fresh when the water gets turned off. Struggles to parent his younger siblings when his mom goes to work a double shift. The kid struggles. But the teacher, she sees him not by his circumstances. He is not just a child of God. He is her student to love. He is disrespectful, defiant, difficult, and she is kind, patient, and full of holy empathy that only a teacher can have for a child that is not her own. And the best way she knows how to be kind is by starting each day with a hug. Maybe the first one he's received in a long time. The kingdom of heaven is like a hug. But the frustrating part about planting seeds is that we often don't get to enjoy the fruit that we plant. I mean, this includes the literal seeds that we plant in the ground and the metaphorical seeds that we plant in each other's souls. 
The first thing I did when I moved to my house here in Columbia was I planted a poplar, an oak, and a cypress tree, knowing nothing about botany. I probably won't ever see the shade that they will create beyond the saplings that they are, but one day, someone might. And I invite you to think beyond botany and think about your own life, the tiny interactions, the seeds of hope, so small, such passing moments, but have grown into something substantial. The people in your life who planted those seeds. I still think about the woman who wrote me a letter in high school. It was the day after my senior sermon at White Memorial Presbyterian Church. She thanked me for my sermon. She thanked me for speaking honestly and told me to consider going to seminary and become a pastor. I laughed and majored in marketing. (laughs) But these were mustard seeds, planted in soil with no clue whether they would come to anything but planted anyway. Foolish, maybe. Others might call it hope. And the irony of this scripture is that Jesus, as he's speaking, is himself a mustard seed. You could say the kingdom of heaven is like the story of Jesus. It's the story of a man spoken around dinner tables, not too loud, as to not upset the Roman soldiers passing by. It's the story written to communities in Rome, Ephesus, Syria, Seoul, and Colombia. Spoken by one who questions the authority of Caesar, who doubts that Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, is truly peace for everyone. And when the story is heard, when the story of Jesus is heard, it changes everything because it's the story of a small town peasant who was God. Who walked with the poor, who sat with the sick, who died with the criminals, and who lived again. And this man did most of his ministry thousands of miles away in Judah. Yet it's the story we come to each week. To learn more. To hear it from another perspective, from another voice. To let it strengthen us, challenge us, and ultimately redeem us. But it's the story that began in the smallest of ways in the most obscure town of Bethlehem. And it's the story that leads us to finish our prayers with in Jesus' name, not in Caesar's. The scripture we read today is just one of Jesus' parables. He has others, many that are very confusing, but they include challenges to bandage the wounded, The parable of the Good Samaritan. Challenges to show hospitality to strangers. Challenges to invite the unhoused to wedding feasts. So of all of Jesus' parables, this one actually might be the least challenging. Planting a seed is actually pretty simple. Even I've planted seeds in my life. I'm trying to plant grass as we speak. Emphasis on trying And I'm not sure how many of these seeds will ever make it to be much of anything beyond squirrel food. But planting is easy. The difficult part of planting 
the mustard seed is not the planting. It's not all that hard to be kind in our daily lives. It doesn't require us to be aligned with a political candidate. Planting seeds is not political. Planting seeds is about communal flourishing, something we can all get behind, and it can sound overwhelming. But the difficult part of the mustard seed is not the planting. The difficult part is believing that anything will grow. Believing that we, imperfect people, have enough agency to participate in and be co-creators in God's kingdom. That is the challenge. In a world that doesn't always look like a utopia or resemble paradise for everyone, to see each small act as a mustard seed could feel foolish. I really hope and pray that when God's kingdom is fulfilled, that it is a place where people are truly treated with equality and dignity and care. That it is a place where students, no matter their background or their abilities, are given a chance to be loved and nurtured. That it is a place where hope abounds, authenticity exists, and relationships thrive on mutual love, respect, and hospitality. But we're not there yet. It's like we get stuck paralyzed almost, holding on to these small seeds, looking far off, imagining what a full forest could be, not realizing that the forest lies within us. Jesus tells us that the key to God's kingdom starts with a seed. So small that it might even feel foolish to name. So small that it's easy to think, oh, I won't be missed. So small that the chance could pass by quickly. So small that we must care for it, nurture it, and tend to it. But first, we must plant it. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. But the second best time, it's right now. Amen. Broken. Okay. 
Pray with me. God of the mustard seed, God of the oak, our God, your God, give us the hope to love when it doesn't make all that much sense. Give us the strength to be your people in a changing world. Give us grace when we fail you and when we fail one another. God, in a world full of brokenness, help us to bear witness to your gospel, to your good news that welcomes people in rather than pushing them out. God, for those who are suffering, for those who sit in loneliness, for those who sit struggling, waiting on test results, waiting in hospital rooms, God, sit with them and help us to sit with them as well. God, we know that it is you that woke us up this morning. It is you that empowers us to be your people, and we thank you, God. We especially thank you for your son, Jesus the Christ, who walked among us, who taught us, who loved us when we did not deserve it, and who taught us how to pray, saying together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you to rise in body or spirit as we say together our affirmation of faith, which today comes from 
the Confession of Belfar, which was written in South Africa in 1982. We say confessions of faith as a Presbyterian church to rely not just on our own faith, but on the faith of others, the cloud of witnesses, whether it's the apostles from the Apostles' Creed or here, members of the Dutch Reformed Mission Church who are writing a specific faith in response to the practice of apartheid. So friends, let us join together in saying what we believe. We believe that Christ's work of reconciliation is made manifest in the church as the community of believers who have been reconciled with God and with one another. That unity is, therefore, both a gift and an obligation for the church of Jesus Christ. That through the working of God's spirit, it is a binding force, yet simultaneously a reality which must be earnestly pursued and sought. One which the people of God must continually be built up to attain. That this unity must become visible so that the world may believe that separation enmity and hatred between people and groups is sin which Christ has already conquered. And accordingly, that anything which threatens this unity may have no place in the church and must be resisted. I invite you to remain standing for our last song, which is not How Great Thou Art, it is actually Rock of Ages. Like to the fountain.
Friends, in a world where hope can feel so distant, be seed planters, planters of hope, planters of love, and planters of kindness that Christ showed us first. And as you go from this place, may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds until we meet again. Alleluia. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.